OPEC sticks to the plan. The United States tightens travel requirements. Congress strikes a deal. Apple iPhone sales potentially slowing. Square changes their name to Block. And Vanek seeks to launch a digital asset mining ETF. This is the Running With The Money Briefing. Let's get into it. up and welcome to another episode of the running with the money briefing powered by pounding the table now we got to get into the biggest headlines of the day but a quick update on where the markets are at today we currently see all the indexes outperforming we have the dow jones up 670 points 1.97 percent the nasdaq up 156 points up 1.03 percent and the s&p 500 up 72.22 points up 1.6 percent now leading the market higher we have energies industrials real estate financials basic materials and communication services coming in as the top sector of the day, the lagging five sectors, utilities, consumer defensive, consumer physical technology, and healthcare all lagging the broader market, but still in the green. Now, shifting into the first in large headline of the day, we have OPEC Plus sticking to their planned supply hike. According to Bloomberg, the group will be adding 400,000 barrels a day of crude to global markets starting in January. Now, this is definitely pleasing towards those countries like the United States, our country, and really the governments have been worried about these high oil prices, and now this is very much pleasing to them because those prices are in all likelihood going to come down. Now, now, on quote, out of defense to the United States and despite the price collapse, OPEC has stuck to the plan. If Omicron is as destructive of demand as some fear, the alliance could have to ease off sooner to protect the oil price gains it has worked so hard to achieve. And that was Bill Farron Price, director of intelligence at Enverus Intelligence Research per Bloomberg. So in essence, what we get here is that OPEC is raising their output, and but they are doing it in very much a hesitant way. This is not something they just wanted to go do, but they are doing it, hopefully to bring down some of those pricing pressures in the energy industry. But it is important to note here that OPEC did put a caveat on this announcement. They said that they will revisit the decision whenever they want, and they could revisit the decision whenever they want in any moment if there is tremendous uncertainty in the market. So in essence, what they are saying is that they will revisit this decision and they will make a change if any issue comes up that threatens them in essence, threatens the market. So some very interesting stuff coming out of OPEC. Now, the U.S. oil futures initially fell about 4.8% on this news, but they have quickly regained here and you are actually seeing some solid performance out of crude today. In fact, you take Take a look at the performance over in the oil markets, in the energy market, and you see oil, WTI crude, up 1.53 points, 2.33%. We have Brent up 1.37 points, so some very interesting action going on in the energy industry today, and that's the number one sector within the broader markets today as well, so that's definitely something to note. Now, shifting into the U.S. tightening travel testing requirements as another U.S. case of this Omicron variant has been identified. So, today, the Biden administration announcing that they're going to be tightening testing rules within the United States for inbound international travel 
travelers, and they are now going to have to get a COVID test within 24 hours of departure. They also extended those mask requirements for all domestic and public transportation flights and travel through March 18th. Um, something, honestly, that a lot were not too happy to hear. I think we're all tired of masks at this point, but the Biden administration re-upping these U.S. travel requirements here. And also to note today, right around noon, we got the news that Minnesota health officials have confirmed another case of this Omicron COVID-19 variant in this person who tested positive for it was flying out of New York City. So you could potentially have this Omicron variant also in New York City. We had New York Governor Kathy Hochul actually say on Thursday today that there were no confirmed cases, but who knows? In all likelihood, it is now in New York, and you could possibly see some Omicron cases popping up there in the days to come. I think at this point, many recognize that this case is all over the place. This variant of the COVID-19 virus is all over the place, and it was just a matter of time before it showed up here. You could possibly be seeing some, you know, buy the news, sell into the news, and then buy the actual headline action in the markets, especially in that travel area where you see travel names outperforming the day in the markets. Possibly this is why the markets may believe that the worst of it has already hit. Now, shifting into this deal achieved by Congress. So Congress struck a deal to avoid the government shutdown. If you guys all remember, we had an extension bill almost passed just a few not months ago, not too long ago, and the government was about to shut down, and then they passed this extension, in essence, where they could continue to negotiate and the government would stay open, and that deadline was tomorrow that they had to make that deal by, and it's like no one was talking about it all week, but they did strike a deal in the House. So the House has reached a temporary government funding bill ahead of the deadline tomorrow. They are expected to pass this later this afternoon today, but it is important to note that this bill still does have to pass the Senate, and there are some Republicans in the Senate right now that are saying they don't want to pass this thing because they want to make sure that the Biden administration cannot mandate vaccines for private employers. Some very interesting stuff. We did get commentary out of Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell today on this news. He goes on to say, quote, we're not going to shut down the government. That makes no sense for anyone. Almost no one on either side thinks that's a good idea. So in all likelihood, a deal is going to be passed in the House and the Senate by the deadline tomorrow. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. And it's definitely something to pay attention to because it's no uh, small issue for the government to be going into shutdown. We have seen it, but typically there is some fear around it. So it'll be interesting to pay attention to how the markets react to some of these bills being passed in Congress. Now, shifting into the biggest analyst calls of the day, we have Goldman Sachs reiterating Apple as neutral, going on to say, quote, in the United States, we see some disparity between our normal panel and carrier-specific lead times, with carriers having longer lead times. We suspect this signals solid demand driven by more aggressive promotional activity around Black Friday compared to 2020. Globally, we see iPhone lead times continuing to shorten, which we believe signals supply and demand coming closer to equilibrium. So Goldman Sachs liking what is going on over at Apple, but reiterating it as neutral, citing that it could possibly be a demand slowdown, which we do have a headline in that that actually came from some sources over surrounding Apple, and that was per Bloomberg. So we're going to get into that, basically saying some of these supply chain issues for Apple are starting to look like they're letting up, and maybe the stock looks attractive if it continues to move slightly more to the downside. Goldman Sachs putting it as neutral, no buy, no sell signal, simply uh, neutral on the name. Now, Morgan Stanley reiterating Simon Property as overweight. Going on to say, quote, Simon Property Group generated total returns of negative 10.4% 
from November 5th, 2021 to close of business on November 30th, 2021. This compares to strips at negative 8.8%, the REIT index at negative 2.4%, and the S&P 500 at negative 10.7%. While renewed COVID concerns and a hawkish Fed certainly distributed or contributed to the weakness we argued in our post 3Q21 update that there may be consolidation in share price given the strength of the year-to-date rally. You take a look at Simon Property Group, and this name has absolutely been ripping over the last few months, and just a few weeks ago, it actually started to see some selling pressure. So Morgan Stanley reiterating Simon Property Group as overweight, seeing consolidation possibly in the year end as a net positive. UBS initiating coverage of Amazon as a buy, going on to say, quote, we expect Amazon shares to trend up ahead of the second half of 2022 when we see revenue growth and margins driving higher estimate revisions and multiple expansion. UBS initiating coverage of Amazon is by citing earnings growth in the second half or going into the second half of 2022. We have City upgrading Snowflake to buy from neutral. Going on to say, quote, we are upgrading Snowflake to a buy and raising our target price to $470 per share. We think Snowflake is at an inflection point following very strong Q results and positive checks from AWS reInvent where we see or saw signs of budget unlock in large enterprise cloud deals in a more favorable competitive partnership environment. Now, Morgan Stanley reiterated Neo as overweight, going on to say, quote, the stock has lagged peers year to date as growth stalled on the component crunch, plant restructuring, and no new parts. However, it's time to turn the page. A superior ecosystem, broadening customer, and distinct branding make the setup unique and favorable for NEO to gather strength in the 2022. Morgan Stanley saying, look, those supply chain issues, those manufacturing issues that NEO has been experiencing over the past year, well, guess what? Those are starting to fade. We start to like NEO. We like their ecosystem. We like their broadening of their not only branding, but their customer base. We like all of this stuff. We like the setup for NEO, and they like it going in to 2022. And then we have UBS initiating coverage of Alphabet and Facebook as buy. Going on to say, quote, Alphabet shares are not pricing and value attributions for cloud. We model Google Cloud to grow meaningfully faster and ramp margins ahead of street expectations based on channel conversations and our analysis of Google's backlog waterfall. For Meta, we see the street's ad revenue estimates as two low in 2022 and we model GAP EPS at 5% above consensus in our base case and 21% above in our upside case predicted on reels, shops, and watch alone scaling. So, we have UBS liking Alphabet and Facebook here along Facebook, otherwise known as Meta. Now, shifting into a sizable headline, company-specific headline that came out on Apple overnight. This headline actually came out last night but it is something to know and pay attention to. So, the rumor is, is that Apple is telling suppliers iPhone demand is now slowing. So, as we know, Apple has been suffering from this global supply crunch, these supply chain issues, and therefore the lead times for these new iPhones has been quite long. But, now we have Apple telling component suppliers that demand for the iPhone 13 lineup is weakening or has weakened. And that's according to Bloomberg and people familiar with the matter 
that have chosen not to be identified. Now, we also know earlier in the year, Apple had cut its iPhone 13 production goal by as many as 10 million units, and that's down from 90 million units. So it's definitely something to pay attention to there. The hope was that a strong demand for the iPhone 13 lineup going into year end would make up for the uh, supply chain issues. But now we are starting to get information that that is not materializing and that in Instead, consumers are just doing away with getting the new iPhone because lead times are so long. So it's definitely something to pay attention to there. Apple has been the leader of the market and iPhone sales make up a huge part of the way people view Apple and dig into the company. Now, shifting into another company specific headline, Jack Dorsey's Square. As we know, Jack Dorsey, he just left Twitter. Um, Now he's pretty much just the CEO of Square. Well, guess what? His company is now changing their name to Block. Some very interesting stuff. So Square. Square will be changing their name to Block, and they also said that Square Crypto, a segment within the company that holds roughly $220 million in Bitcoin, will also be rebranding to the name Spiral. We did get some statements out of the company, and also Jack Dorsey. He says, quote, we build the Square brand for our seller's business, which is where it belongs. Block is a new name, but our purpose of economic empowerment remains the same. No matter how we grow or change, we will continue to build tools to help increase access to the economy in a few tweets he goes on to say or the company goes on to say block references the neighborhood blocks where we find our sellers a blockchain block parties full of music obstacles to overcome a section of code building blocks and of course tungsten cubes so some interesting stuff coming out of square changing their name to block and the name change and rebranding will go into effect on december 10th and then our final Final headline is in relation to the crypto world. We have Van X seeking to launch a digital or digital asset mining ETF. Some very interesting stuff. So Van Eck, they have filed with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission to uh, yesterday, Wednesday, to launch this ETF, which is crypto mining focused. In this ETF, in essence, unquote, seeks to track the price and yield performance of the MVIS Global Digital Asset Mining Index, which the disclosure did state. So some very interesting stuff coming out of Van Eck. Now, there are funds related to this. There are funds very similar to this. For instance, the largest fund that is similar to this is Amplify Investments, which is around $1.7 billion. And it's their transformational data sharing ETF under ticker BLOK. And this fund actually launched in January of 2018. And it holds crypto miners such as Hut8 Mining, Riot Blockchain, BitFarms, Hive Blockchain Technologies, Marathon Digital, etc. according to ETF.com and Blockworks. So some very interesting stuff there. We know that Van Eck has been trying to get into the crypto space. They were rejected by the SEC on that straight Bitcoin ETF, but they did launch their Bitcoin futures-based product or the Bitcoin futures uh, ETF and fund. So some very interesting stuff there. So it is definitely going to be something to pay attention to on whether at the end of the day, Van Eck gets approved for this fund and also um, what they hold within this fund. You know, if it's crypto mining focused, it'll be interesting to see what they hold within it. We did get some commentary on what they will hold. According to BlockWorks, this ETF will hold, quote, um, companies that generate at least half of the revenue from digital asset mining activities or mining related technology or have projects that, when developed, have the potential to do just that. So some interesting stuff coming out of Van Eck. 
hoping to launch a digital asset mining ETF. And they filed for that just yesterday. Now, that is the show. That is the end of the briefing for today. And I want to thank you all for listening. Now, go give my fellow team members and my boys over at Pound in the Table a follow on Spotify or anywhere you listen to podcasts. That includes Apple Podcasts. And then go and give me and my team a follow at Running With The Money on Instagram and Facebook or at Luke Donay on Twitter. At me, DM me if you want a stock broken down. If you have some reviews or some commentary or some critical feedback on the show, definitely please let us know. We are here to help you. We are here to assist you. And we are here to help you profit within the markets. Easily profit, trade on, and I will see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.